Hello and welcome to another edition of Teaching Restored, where we help teachers teach the restored gospel of Jesus Christ to bring others to Jesus Christ. I'm Kevin Jones. And I'm Julie Hilliard. Hi, Julie. We are going to do another episode. Are you ready? I hope so. I'm Good, because you're leading this one. I know, but I'm never, ever quite ready. I always feel a little bit like inadequate coming into this, but you know, whatever. Aren't we all a little yeah, bit inadequate? Uh, just a little. How about a whole lot of inadequate? A just bucket a teensy full lot? Of a whole bucket? A whole yeah, bucket. It's true. it's true. So at the very beginning, I really loved that Kevin put on the wrong music by accident. I just have to say, not this time, but last time, we you're not going to see it, but we had a dance party before we started, as well as a word of prayer. Right. I think those are appropriate to happen within the same little yeah. frame of time, right? Within the same minute. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> they go together. It's living a good life, living a good life. Okay. <laughs> so today's conversation, I would like to start with a scripture. Will you take out your scriptures, Kevin? Why, yes, I can. Yes. What do we have Will you here? please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? These are very familiar scriptures. I would like to start with verse 12 and have you read all the way until 27. It's kind of a long one. Holy moly. And I know, I'm so, so sorry. But this is a chapter that's talking about spiritual gifts. And if you'll remember, Paul teaches about the body of Christ. He uses the analogy of the body to talk about the church, right? And to talk mm -hmm. about all the members of the church. And he's specifically talking in this section, using the body of Christ as an analogy about spiritual gifts. So would you be willing to read, please? Why, yes. 12 to all the way to 27? All the way to 27. They're shorter verses. I promise yeah. it'll work. I, I I trust you. I trust you. Okay. It won't overwhelm you. Okay. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, would there be hearing? Or were, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members of every one of them in the body, and it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? And now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have been more abundantly comeliness. Com comeliness, comeliness. Comeliness. Comeliness, comeliness. That's Thank what you. I would say. Comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having been given more abundant honor, to that part which lacked, 
that there should be no schism in the body and that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and all and members in particular. Okay. That was a mouthful. I appreciated the voices that you did as part of it. That I almost made it went a little more even I almost went even more voices than that, but I thought I'll tame it down right now. <laughs> no, we love this. the drama. It's it's <clears throat> fabulous. Um, so when you read that and when you have read it in the past, can you tell me what you feel like it's about? Like what are some of the points that stand out to you? So right off the top, my first thought is that how <laughs> how I wish I lived my life more like this, where where there is a body, whether it be a church body, whether it be a family body, whether it be my own body, and I kind of esteemed all of them as one, but I don't. And I really okay. ought to, but being realistic, I don't. And I that's every time I read that, I think oh, I need to be better about that. Right. Like when you say esteem them, do you mean like appreciate them? What do you mean by that? Like appreciating everybody the same way? Do you mean like, you know, not in your mind having judgments like expand yes uh judgments appreciating yes all of that yes that is exactly correct okay okay and when you read you know some of these verses and you're thinking about your own life and like you said you kind of think about some of the things that you wish that you did better what do you think is the ideal point like what what is the point that these verses are trying to drive home in your heart like, what do you fall short of is i guess what i'm asking for me Every part is necessary. Okay. Even though, even though there may seem to be on a natural level, on a natural man level, some parts that are weaker are more feeble. That doesn't make them any less important. That doesn't make them any less, you know, I would say, you know, in another, in other terminology, profitable at the same time. They, and really you can't have one without the other. Okay. You can't have the strong. So the in other words, the, the lack, like the word that it uses in here, that there are some that are lacking, right? The mm -hmm. lack does not necessarily make it less valuable or something like that. You know, the word that you were kind of tripping over, sorry, um, the word that you were tripping over, comely. comely, I had to look it up. Um, so uncomely, if something is uncomely, it means that it's unattractive. Okay. And sure. I thought, oh, that's such an interesting thing, right? So people, I, I think, you know, about people who look different, um, people who behave differently, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that's less attractive to us. They don't fit into a box. They don't fit a mold. Right. And I think that, that that kind of stuck out to me, actually, not just because you were reading it and kind of going, comely, comely, but because <laughs> it was something that I mean, when I was reading it, it kind of stuck out to me as well. Okay. So I want to talk about um, something that I feel um, particularly passionately about and also um, qualified in a unique way to talk about, if that makes sense. I want sure. to talk specifically about what we do when we have someone in our stewardship as a teacher, and that could be in our stewardship as a teacher in the family. It could be as part of our calling at church. It could be when we are teaching as missionaries. And I say within our stewardship, somebody that we are responsible for teaching who has special needs of any type. 
Good. That could be someone who is, and this is a term that they use now that I think is really interesting and it's neurodivergency. And it's the idea that if somebody is neurodivergent, their brain operates differently. So it could be that they have some kind of, uh, you know, um, mental illness. It could be that they have, you know, ADHD, which, you know, obviously is very common, um, but their brain just doesn't work in a quote, normal. normal way if there is such a thing, right? Right. It's normal. Um, so I've shared before on here, and this is, I'm going to get a little like super personal, um, that I have a son with special needs. He's 15 years old. His name is Matthew. We call him Matt only because he couldn't say his whole name when he was little. So we shortened it. <laughs> and Matt is named after his uncle who is named Matt also who passed away a few years ago and he had Down syndrome. And when Matt, our son, was going to be born, um, like we were getting really, really close to his birth, I had this really strong impression that I didn't want to name him Matt because I felt like if we named him Matt, it meant he would have special needs. And I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want it for him. I didn't want it for us. I just didn't want it. And it really freaked me out. And so my husband and I tried to name him a whole bunch of different names and we couldn't get there. And when I accepted that his name would be Matt and we made that decision, that was a moment that I reflect on a lot because it was in that moment that I accepted that we would have this son with special needs and he hadn't even been born yet. I had no idea. Hmm. And um, it has been a really hard stretching refining, I'm going to call it a trial and a blessing simultaneously, which we know that that exists, right? In almost every trial that we have. And specifically recently, it's been extra difficult, but it is something that has been made beautiful um, in our home and in our ward. And part of why this is something that I think has become beautiful is because of the people that have been Matt's teachers and been Matt's buddies. And I've watched people exemplify what I wish I was better at in embracing people of who may be perceived as lacking or people who may be perceived as uncomely or people who are just different. And to describe Matt, if I may, for just a second, he has something called Phelan McDermott syndrome. And it causes autism, and we're talking like severe autism. Um, Matt is considered nonverbal, um, though he talks a lot. You just don't understand a lot of it, and a lot of it is repetitive and cyclical. But he has this incredible communicative intent, which is atypical for a kid who has autism. He wants connection with people so badly, and he will seek it out in ways that are sometimes destructive and. Um, he can hurt people. He can be aggressive. Um, he can also just be really like give aggressive love, like hugging you so aggressively, it practically breaks you. Um, but in all of that um, struggle, the, the hardest part, I think, is that he has this really profound intellectual disability that makes it difficult for him to learn. And so people could look at him or have him in their class and be like, oh, well, I'm not really going to teach him anything. So, you know, not really going to make a lot of effort. We'll just try and keep him entertained. Mm -hmm. And I have experienced over the years with Matt, people who have invested in him in a really unique way and in ways that have taught me and have taught Matt some beautiful things. 
talked about church. Like he is capable of sitting in church for the most part. He yells inappropriate things sometimes during church. Like he will talk about needing to go poop in the middle of the sacrament and it's okay. Um, and he'll talk about how hungry he is on fast Sunday. We don't make him fast, but for some reason, food is like this major topic for him on Sunday. And so last fast <laughs> Sunday, he's yelling about bacon and burgers and cookies. And everybody's like, wow, wow, Matt, I feel you. I really feel you. And so they're, there are some unique uh, things that he brings to the ward, but like there is just this absolutely beautiful thing that has happened in our ward because of Matt. And to be clear, I'm going to you know kind of begin with the end in mind. One of the reasons that I felt like talking about this is because I have come to recognize, um, especially in this phase that's been really, really crappy, that Matt has some spiritual gifts that have become really obvious to me. And so when we read the scripture, can I tell you the parts that stuck out to me reading it through that lens? Please. <clears throat> I'm a baby. Sorry. When I talk about my baby, I become a baby, right? Mm -hmm. So look at verse, um, sorry, I can't see. <clears throat> I know it's a little difficult. It Can't makes it a problem. That. Okay, so here we go. So, so verse seventeen. I think it was no, it wasn't seventeen. Um, okay, right there, verse eighteen. Sorry, I really did take me a minute to see. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, like on purpose, as it hath pleased Him. Um. I think that our differences are part of what make us magical. And I know that in the classes that we teach, that is absolutely true. And we've talked about it in terms of the diversity of perspective and the diversity of opinion, right? And how grateful we are for that kind of diversity. But what is your initial reaction when I talk about like the diversity of ability? and the diversity of disability. And like, I want you to think about in your life, and I've never, I haven't asked you this question, so I don't know if this is true or not, but have you ever had someone in a class that you've taught that it was clear was struggling with a mental illness? Um, and also, I mean, when we talk about this, we have to think about, you know, any kind of neurodivergency, but I'm talking about things that would go so far as to include like dementia. Um, and, you know, some of those other very natural things that happen as part of our life that would fall under the category of neurodivergency. Have you ever experienced that in a class you've taught? Yes. yes. Um, there have been way back when I taught, I was, I was a buddy. Like you mentioned, I was a buddy to someone who was blind and in a wheelchair and very, very physically handicapped as well. Um, mm -hmm. And I one of the things that stood out to me was I had to understand what his needs were, were and okay. help him and really kind of. I don't want to say get in his mind, but almost so that I could right. try to help him in whatever way he needed help, because it wasn't about teaching in the normal ways. It was him specifically. And how could I help him? And, and even recently, 
I went to go give a Temple Recommend interview to someone in our ward who, sweet, sweet woman, but she is developing dementia. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you give a Temple Recommend to someone who isn't all quite there, but is, and she, and she was, it just took longer and I had to do it according to her needs at the yeah. same time. But then as that was happening, I was realizing not only in that moment with her and with my friend Paul way back years ago, right, right. I was changing okay. at the same time. And that was pretty okay. neat. So, so I want to go back to something that you said at the beginning of that. And I think this is probably, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but I would guess this is probably the key to the fact that you felt yourself changing. I think what you said at the beginning was really profound. You had to figure out how, what his needs were. Like you had to try and see things through his eyes. You had mm. to try and understand him without necessarily having him be able to explain it to you or without this woman being able to articulate to you, you know, even responses to the temple recommend questions. I'm, I'm filling in some of the blanks, but, sure. um, and when you do that, I mean, that literally is the skill of empathy that we've been talking about, right? that you are trying to see things as somebody else sees them. And the fruit of that is connection. <laughs> and your desire to understand his needs trumped any desire that you had to teach in Paul's case. <laughs> so like I think about what if we were to approach more of our classes that way? Like why is that not kind of our standard of operating? to try and understand people and where they're coming from and connect on that level so that we understand how they need to be taught, right? And that sure. changes us. So I want you to think for just a second, when you, I mean, you've done so much training, tell me the different ways that people learn. Okay. Do you, you want to get in? Well, I, 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 want, I, I want you to nerd out for just a minute. And I want <laughs> you to talk to me about the diversity of ways that people learn, because what we're talking about right now is the diversity of needs that exist in a class, specifically special needs or things that might fall under that category. And so if we're talking about the different ways in which people generally learn, I want you to kind of have that umbrella of special needs in your mind. And I mean, just share with me what you have learned in your research about ways that people learn. Okay. Oh boy. I'm going to take this a few different directions. I don't know that I'm going the direction you're thinking of, but there is the, there is the typical thing that people say, I see by, or I learn by seeing, I learn by right. doing, I learn by I'm hearing. Right. Yeah. Right. All, all these different things. There's actually no research to back any of that up. Oddly enough. Did you know that? <laughs> no, I didn't know that. In fact, I have this little note here. Variety of styles of learning. Auditory, visual, tactile. Right. Like there, there's no there's no research that backs that up. And 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 it's okay. It's it's very and I've looked into this going, okay, where's this from? And and, and it's really interesting. I right. won't get into it. But I, although at the same time, it's pretty intuitive, but right. but there are some things that I think that trump that even. So when we talk about visual learning, yes, yes, yes. Um, at the same time, what I've learned as far as learning is, can, a lot of it has, oddly enough, 
to do with connection. The connection that I may have with someone will make a huge difference in whether they learn from me, I learn from them, we learn together. Another one is experience. Wait, wait. Oh, Pause oh, oh. for just a second. I want to dig into that just a little bit. You're okay. saying that you may teach in a style that doesn't necessarily typically work for someone, but because they have a connection to you, they that, might be able to understand you better? That might trump all the others, yes. Okay, interesting. That's super interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, another learning style, you may say, is through actual experience. I was just reading this uh, scriptures this morning. Um, and where did I? It was from Preach My Gospel. I was reading and Preach My Gospel, uh, the new version, version two. And yeah. it talked about how we can preach. They can listen. They can hear. They can yeah. understand. But until they have an experience, it's hard to be converted. Okay. Unless they have an experience. So learning through experience is another thing and again how that what that experience is could be a million different ways but uh experience is another learning style i would say that i think we don't think much as much about when we talk about learning gospel principles today the truth so that's interesting okay so wait but pause okay so okay. question on that one so i would push back and i would say we actually do talk a lot about that we talk about the idea that we want to give we want to encourage people to have an experience with the spirit. And so part of what we're doing is we're saying, okay, you know, we learn by revelation, we need to seek the spirit. And then we actually try through the questions that we're asking and other things and getting people actually touching their scriptures in the scriptures. We're trying to give them an experience, but you're talking about maybe the application experience, right? So I'm actually talking about both. Yes. So I, okay. and I totally understand where you're coming from, where you're in the scriptures and you're having an experience with the spirit right there. Right. And, and that is part of what I'm talking about. I don't think that that happens enough, which is honestly why I think we're doing these podcasts. The, the series yeah, is fair. for more of that. But then also right. the when you said go out and encourage them to use that and experience that in their everyday life, right. there's that as well. And how can the teacher actually be a part of that so right 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 okay excellent point excellent point okay so did you want to add to that before because i want to i want to no, dive into go for it things. okay so when you talk about um specifically connection i started thinking about the idea that not everybody learns the same way right and that right. the best way for us to help facilitate learning with a variety of um, intellectual abilities, as well as a variety of needs. You know, you could have people that are hearing impaired. You can have people yes. who, you know, can't see. You can have people who are losing their sight, for example, even. Um, you have people in there who might have uh, struggles to read, like dyslexia. Mm -hmm. um, you'll have a variety of things that are a little bit more hidden that you won't necessarily see. And the only way to really know those things is to have some kind of a connection with them. And I want to make the point because I think a lot of people have approached me and, and done a really great job of asking me questions about Matt, that asking questions does not offend. Like people want to connect with That's you. Great. And if you are sincerely trying to get to know somebody better, you can't pretend that they don't have a disability. Right. You know, as you're talking to them, you can't pretend 
that or you know like it, it nobody wants you to it's like you're not really seeing them if you pretend not to see this thing right and so ask questions and i think that that's something a lot of people have been hesitant to do when yes. people ask me questions about matt i can't even tell you how loved it makes me as a mom feel how seen it makes me feel and i know it makes matt feel that way and people will try to ask Matt questions and he doesn't have the ability to respond. He'll respond with something that's a little bit nonsensical. And so what they do is they'll like just realize, okay, Matt can't necessarily respond, but they'll still put their arm on his shoulder, which some people don't like to be touched. So you have to kind of feel that out. But Matt is very physical and you can feel that in his presence right away. So I see people almost subconsciously register that Matt communicates more through physical touch. Like it's almost unconscious because of how he behaves with you. But that's very astute of someone to be like, oh, he needs physical touch. If I need more information, I'm going to have to talk to mom. And that's great. I'm not offended that people aren't talking directly to Matt. And some people have this thing, oh, I've got to talk directly to the person who has special needs. Well, if it's a kid or somebody who has a profound disability, you investing in learning about him from whoever will never be offensive. It will always be hopefully felt as a gesture of love if it comes from a sincere place. And so you have to ask questions to get to know how people learn better and some of their obstacles to learning. Does that resonate with you? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I I I don't have someone with special needs in my family to the to that degree nor kind of on an, an even extended family. So I haven't had as as personal of a an experience as you have had, but the experiences that I have had I can completely understand why asking those questions and trying to invest is is it would not be offensive it would be only right. helpful and and loving right. at the same time and it right. is easy for me or for others to kind of back away and maybe not ask a question or you know don't i don't want to pry or you know if i draw too much attention that's not what i'm trying to do so i'm trying to go the opposite right. way no and and i go back to the connection thing let's yep. connect let's right. love each other and learn and understand about each other can I share uh, something that's a little bit more anecdotal, but, um, and I might be unique in my feeling okay. about this, but when we talk about making a connection with people, be it, you know, the parent of a child or, you know, an adult who has special needs or whoever, um, sometimes we think that sharing our autobiography will help to fuel that connection. Sure. So for example, I can't tell you how many people come up to me and learn that Matt has autism, which actually is not his primary diagnosis, but they immediately tell me about all the people that they know that have autism. Right. <laughs> and bless them. It comes from a very sincere place. But can I tell you what happens in my mind? And this is not going to sound very Christ-like, but okay. I'm just going to be yeah. honest that I get shut down and I feel to dismiss them a little bit. And the reason that I feel that way is because I'm like, are you trying to understand Matt? Or are you trying to fit him into a box that you're already comfortable with? Mm. And that's hard for me because Matt does not fit in an autism box at all. And so autism is just a diagnosis I can lead with that other people will be familiar with. 
And that when you have a diagnosis, and a lot of people with special needs don't, but when you have a diagnosis, it's useful to explain it to other people so that they have a frame of reference, but it doesn't necessarily even explain the, the person. They yeah. are not defined by their diagnosis. Right. And so a better thing is to ask more about that kid. Oh, he has autism. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. Tell me a little bit more Good. about his abilities. Tell me a little bit more. And that that helps to open the discussion instead of the minute somebody brings up somebody that they know, I'm like, oh, they put Matt in that box. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but that's not him. And so just as a word kind of of just unsolicited counsel or whatever, just be really cautious. And we've talked about this in our conversations that sharing your own autobiography has a place, but that place is not when you are in a space of empathy and trying to connect with the person. It does not foster connection. It actually takes control of the conversation. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. And and I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen uh, many times. And my thought each time is, what are you trying to accomplish right now? When right. you're given your stories of everyone that you know of who is autistic or who is yeah. blind or, you know, whatever that may be, what you're you're totally ignoring the person in front of you. So, but you know what? I, I, I would say that I believe that what that person is thinking in their mind is, oh, I can connect with you. I believe oh, okay. it comes from a really good spot. Interesting. Because okay. In okay. most cases it is very much a, oh yes. And they're trying to tell you hmm. I'm comfortable with this. And that, that to me has a place, Okay, but that place needs to come after you've invested, like sharing that. Yeah. You know, I've got this, you know, cousin, this friend, this, you know, my sister has a son with autism, whatever, sharing that there's a place for it, but it's after you've gotten to know that person that's right in front of you or that, you know, the child of whoever you're talking to. It's not what you lead with. Sure. That which makes is sense. a little bit confusing. Is that mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. fair to push back on a little bit? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So let, let me move us forward just a little bit because I, I want to make sure that there are several resources that we actually get to. I don't want to just talk about my own experience, though it's kind of a place um, to start the conversation, I guess. Right. Um, so one, let me, let me just tell you a few of the things that have happened in our ward that have been really beautiful. Okay. Um, So when we think about the idea that not everybody learns in the same way and that we need to connect to try and learn, one of the things that I've seen people do is that they've let go of some of the traditional ways of teaching in order to accommodate special Mm. needs. So I'm thinking of and speaking to people who might be in a primary presidency, for example, and are trying to figure out how to meet the needs of those who have special needs in their primary, so kids. And I can tell you that our primary presidency came and sat down with me um, when Matt started going to primary and they just wanted everything I could tell them about Matt. You know, how does he connect with people? Tell us, you know, what does he like to do? And there is one person who's our primary president right now who's just, I mean, she's incredible. Um, But at the time she was Matt's teacher. And so she just like was a sponge for any information that I could give her. And I would say, do you want me to come into class? She's like, no, no, we've got this, you know? And she started bringing puzzles and started bringing books. And she helped me discover things that I didn't even know that Matt could do because she would do them with him in class and be successful because we kind of get in our own silos when it comes to stuff like that. And so this primary presidency came to me 
ask the questions, pass that information on to this teacher. And this teacher was like, and I want more and came to me. And so as Matt has gotten older, the primary presidency has said, okay, things are switching. For example, when he was supposed to transition to be in young men's, they're like, what could we do to best meet Matt's needs? And again, they took, you know, they followed my lead, but what they did is they provided a buddy for Matt. And so every week, why, why do I get to go to class and someone else doesn't? I don't know. But every week somebody takes my son for an hour and they just love on him. And they go into primary because he loves to sing. Mm -hmm. And then they walk the halls because he loves to walk. And Matt greets everybody and they'll sit down sometimes and have a snack or, you know, do a puzzle or read a book or whatever. It's different every week. Matt you know, never gives you the same thing two days in a row because <laughs> that would be too boring. Um, but they, he always has somebody with him. And so this has become like a ward effort, not just a one person effort. But it all came from asking questions about Matt and really trying to invest in him. And I have been like um, amazed as I've listened to people share their testimonies and include um, experiences that they had while they were walking with Matt that have become like sacred experiences for them. Mm -hmm. And so going back to these scriptures in 1 Corinthians, um, something that I really that really stuck out to me is this idea, um, 23, verse 23, and those members of the body, which we think to be less honorable, or we think to be less capable, or we think to be less smart, or less fill in the blank, right? Mm -hmm. Upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely, unattractive right parts have more abundant comeliness. They're more attractive. They're more beautiful. Like they're made sacred. They're made beautiful. And so part of what I've discovered is that one of Matt's spiritual gifts is to get people focused on the right things. Um, there's a girl in our ward who will hang out with Matt sometimes. She's a senior. She hangs out with him at school. And she got up and shared about him while he was he was away at a respite facility for 30 days. And she got up and just shared how much she missed him. And she's like, you know, I tell people that Matt is one of my best friends. And they're like, what? But she's like, he has taught me um, how to feel God's love. And she struggles a little bit sometimes to feel that. And she's described this in her testimony in the past. And Matt just helps her to feel God's love. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's his gift. Like, that's his gift. And so as I've kind of watched this with other people that he spent time with, I have one guy in our ward. He is just a saint. He sees me get up every week and he follows me out because Matt at some point inevitably is going to want to go to the bathroom. So after I take Matt to the bathroom, he will say to me, please, can I take him? And I'll be like, oh, John, come on. I've got it. Don't worry about it. Go sit, go enjoy. And he's like, I want to like, please. And he shared that his time with Matt has led to some really sweet and sacred experiences. And so one of the things that I've come to understand through the other people that love my son is that he has some really beautiful spiritual gifts that I don't know that I've seen 
myself until someone else pointed it out to me. And so our interactions with other people of different abilities and who have different experiences, experience the world differently, we'll say, they have, some, they. it's on purpose. Like there is, man, I am a mess. Nobody's going to want to listen to this because my voice is so wobbly the whole time. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry. Um, there is there's something that will bless you about investing in people that you don't necessarily understand. And when you talked about experience, Kevin, when you talked about people learn by experience, I had this thought of why would you not want that in your classroom? You want to experience Christ-like love. You want to experience seeing the best in other people. You want to experience how Christ sees others? Well, take someone who you don't understand, who sometimes maybe has things about them that are uncommonly met, drools. Sometimes he'll have food on his teeth. Sometimes he'll have like stuff on his clothes. Like it's hard and it puts people off. But instead, Sorry, I'm a baby and I don't have any tissue. <laughs> My sleeve. Instead of being put off by that, let us open our eyes and our hearts to instead see the blessing in that, to see that it is part of God's plan. Can you talk for a minute? Because I need to collect my snotty self. <laughs> yes, I will for a little bit. Because what I've never, to be honest, I've never had an in-depth conversation like this with someone who knows these challenges intimately. I've known, uh, again, I've known these challenges on a very surface level, but never intimately. Um, have I had a really deep conversation and really understood? I mean, we've been friends for a while and we've had conversations about Matt and your struggles, but all the great things about it as well. And it has given me a new appreciation for those who um, are not, quote, normal again. Um, and then that leads me to and I don't mean to in any way minimize those who go through challenges like this, but then I think I'm not normal. <laughs> <laughs> right. None of right. us are. Let's be honest. Right. Yeah. I mean, if we were really honest with ourselves, there are some things that I just, I lack. And, and, and I think sometimes I put people into boxes like that, like you're saying, I put people into boxes and, okay, you're this kind of person, you're this kind of person, and it just makes it easier for me for or whatever reason, or it's just a bad habit. I don't know, maybe both. And, but at the same time, um, I maybe don't appreciate, and, and, and as the scripture says in there, really understand that they are one full part of the body and that they should be just as appreciated as everyone else. Whether it's a high dysfunction level or a 
little dysfunction level. Now, uh, I recently heard, oh, it was a conference talk in the last conference, which would be October of 2023. Yep. Um, someone mentioned um, how he loves seeing those who come to church but smell like smoke. Mm -hmm. And then right. he talked, what was that? I, yeah, I remember this. I remember this. Do you remember that? Yeah. And, and he said, what if all of our sins had some telltale smell or visual cue, right? Not everyone has those visual cues that they are neurodivergent or whatever right off the bat. Right. Um, I, I think of one young lady in one of our wards that we lived in. She was perfectly normal and then went through some trauma and slowly more and more it got worse mentally and emotionally got worse and worse and worse and i mean really 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 bad right yeah. and and it was kind of a permanent bad it wasn't like a oh, brain damage from some trauma or something um not uh i would say emotionally but not physically brain damaged okay. but yeah okay. emotionally um sure. and it could have been easy just kind of write it off that oh she's kind of freaking out oh she's this is a little bit oh but if someone was to ask the questions and to be with her and follow they would understand oh this is getting worse what can we do how can we help and there were those who did that thankfully um but it's I think, again, I think it's easy for me to put people in a box and say, you're this kind of person and not realize that everyone has maybe a little something that I need to be a little bit more Christ-like about. And then there are those who have something big who I need to even be more Christ-like too. And then they help me. They bring out that in me, like Matt, love right. Matt. And it's, and <laughs> you're right. He doesn't make any sense. He doesn't, no. I'll, I'll, I'll try to talk to him. There is no making sense with Matt, except no. you see the light in him. And I just think, oh, what a guy. I, I can't wait. Honestly, okay, now this is going to get me a little bit. I blame you for this. I can't wait for, and I know you've had this thought a million times, but I can't wait for the day that I have a conversation with Matt and we get to talk back and forth. How cool how how wonderful that's going to be someday i and i know you've had that thought probably every day of your life um but that's i i, I look forward to that time you know i have that jeffrey r holland quote on my wall that talks about what a glorious day it will be in the resurrection when you know i don't know if it will be they or we who are feeling more i can't i mean i just can't even quote i'm gonna butcher it but it's just um, a quote about the resurrection and how incredible it would be for those who we have known to have disabilities in this life. And right. you're right. I think all the time you were supposed to make it so that I collected myself. I'm going to try and say this out loud though. Um, I think all the time about the conversations that we'll have and the things that he wasn't able to say to me that he'll be able to say. And I'm terrified that there will be days like that i really struggle with him i don't want him to remember those days like he's a really hard kid to parent on the daily and mm -hmm. i guarantee you that any mother who has a child with special needs will tell you the same thing we as parents have good days and bad days and there are days when we do it really badly 
And I just, oh, I pray so much that Matt doesn't remember those things, but that he, man, just knows how much I loved him. And we are facing some hard decisions with Matt with regard to his future. And that is a wrestle that I am in the midst of, is trying to figure out how someday I stand and have a conversation with him and explain all of my thoughts and all of my feelings and have him understand the decisions that we made that we feel are in his best interest, you know? I still don't know what those are gonna look like. I think you brought something up that I want to um, kind of add to. You talked about this woman who had been through some kind of trauma, and I hadn't specifically mentioned that. I mentioned a lot of different disabilities, but, you know, and it wasn't a brain injury. It sounds like there was some emotional trauma. And we have to remember that that will affect people in a way that we can never understand. But the same principles apply. Connect work mm-hmm. to connect, mm-hmm. ask them questions, try to understand not necessarily the experience that led to the trauma, but who they are right then, because they know they're changing, right? They know that things have changed for them. This is the scripture. It's verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all the mm-hmm. members suffer with it, mm-hmm. or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Like, I think it goes both ways. Like, when Matt has gone through hard things, our whole ward, you know, has grieved as they've watched it. And when he has victories, like when he gets a new word or something, people will be like, oh my gosh, I heard Matt say something I've never heard him say before. And it brings everybody joy. And so the same applies more generally to all these different needs. Like, how do you know to rejoice with someone who is having a victory in recovering from a physical accident, unless you know what their baseline was, right? How do you know when you see somebody who's had a stroke and they learned how to articulate something again, a specific sound? You're like, you wouldn't know unless you'd already connected with them. And so I think that just kind of fuels the point or adds um, emphasis to the point that it really is about just making an effort to connect. And it will look so different than it does with the people that you very naturally connect with. That is comfortable to us. Mm -hmm. It sometimes feels uncomfortable to try and connect with people that are so different and have such different needs. Okay. I want to Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Can I can I give you a story just real quickly of something that completely changed my outlook on this whole thing years ago? I I when when I would meet someone with severe disabilities, I would be reticent to go up and have a conversation or try to learn or anything. Stand back. I think that's kind of typical and normal. Then I watched a video of a young woman who was in a wheelchair, severely handicapped nonverbal and the whole fa- I mean could I mean could not tell that she was really there mentally at all right. um and so they they treated her that way and then just so happened that they put a keyboard in front of her oh and- I know exactly what you're talking about I've seen this video oh. have you and yes. I think she had like a pen in her mouth and she started typing out coherent thoughts and ideas and 
She was there the entire time. They didn't even know it, though. Mentally, she was there. She was sharp as all get out, but she could never communicate. And and when I saw that, I was like, (gasps) right. What if I, I, I know they're not. Uh, the the people who have mental difficulties like that are not all that way. But what if they were? I want to treat right. everyone as if they're there and that they know that I love them and they can. I mean, because I don't know that Matt doesn't know that he know that maybe he can totally understand me and totally gets it. Right. But maybe he just can't verbalize it. Great. Right. I'm going to love him just like that. Right. As if he can understand me. Right. Sorry, I just had somebody walk in, so I just had to wait. <laughs> that's and that's something I think about all the time is that what, like I literally, I'm Matt's mom. I'm with him more than anybody. I, I, I can't tell how much he can understand. Like I try and use clues, but I can't mm-hmm. tell. And so I think you will never go wrong with that as your perspective. Sure. Right? Right. I love that point. I love that point. Um, okay, so one of the things that I came across, and this is, I think I just want to kind of tack this on here at the end so that we have some kind of resources for people. Okay. Um, the church has a website. It's called called disabilities.lds.org. And if you go and look at that, it's got resources for teachers. It's got resources for parents. It's got resources for caregivers. It's just, it's really beautifully done. And one of the things that I came across is an article that talks about it. And it was in 2009, I think is, uh, hold on, let me look at the date, March of 2009. And it's called the New Disabilities Website. So this has been around for a while and I had no idea. And one of the things that it lists at the bottom of that article is different places that you can go to learn more about some of these different abilities. And it's got like foundations and resources. And I mean, it's just Mm, really, really excellent. Um, And so it lists all of these different categories like autism, chronic illness, which I hadn't really thought about, but think about how many people you know who have some kind of a chronic illness, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, hearing loss, a learning disability, a physical disability, a speech and language disorder, an intellectual disability, mental illness, memory loss, vision loss, blindness, like all of those different types of needs. There are resources that you can go to to learn a little bit more about it and to learn a little bit more how to communicate with people who have those you know, different needs. And, and so if at first it's really hard to approach somebody and ask those questions, what a great thing to do to go and look some of those things up and try and understand them better. And I started thinking about, this is a hard little bit of a stumper question to, um, to kind of wrap up. What if you aren't sure? So what if you have somebody in your class that Mm, is different, but you aren't sure whether or not they have a disability. How do you handle that? Have you ever had that happen before? I've had it. I haven't, no, not not in that exact way, kind of a side way, but not like that, no. Yeah. What do you do? Tell me. So, so it, it's a little bit hard and I kind of, it, it's again, all about connection. And sometimes in order, order to figure it out, you have to ask questions because you don't want to come up to somebody and be like, do you have autism? If they don't like, that's just plain awkward and awful and hurtful. Right. Right. And so part of what, if it's a younger kid, instead of just coming right up to the, like, I know that there are kids in our ward that, you know, have been extra wild or extra whatever. And parents will be like, have you had them evaluated for da 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 da? 
and that can be hurtful to the parent. And so really, you start with getting to know the parent. You start with just saying, I want to know your son better. I want to understand how to best work with him. Uh, Todd had a really great way of approaching it the other day. He's like, hey, you're going to be with, you know, this mom. And he's like, I'm desperate to connect with her son, but I don't really know what to do. He's like, I've tried all of the things that I do to connect with other youth. And it was so interesting because in that conversation with her, as I just started saying, hey, my husband is really anxious to connect with your son. And he's just struggling to figure out how he's tried a few things that haven't really worked. She just talked to me about him. And I came to understand some very specific, you could call them special needs, but not in a, you know, kind of the typical way of thinking about it, Mm -hmm. but things that cause him anxiety within his core. And, you know, for example, in this case, it has to do with some severe, severe food allergies. Mm. And I would have even thought about that because Mm. eating is part of what we do at church. (laughs) That is literally dangerous for him. And so it causes a little bit of a disconnect between him and his parents because he's almost died from eating Mm. the wrong thing. Do you know what I mean? And so that's just an example of the type of way that you can approach it. You just start asking questions and it comes up. Like it comes out, it comes up as you invest in people. And so I've, I, in my mind, when I have somebody who responds in really kind of, um, off ways in class or who sometimes um, has outbursts or who, and I'm just not sure. I love just kind of philosophically in my mind to say, okay, what does this person need to be the most successful in class instead of, oh my gosh, it's so annoying because they just keep bursting out with that. You know what I mean? We have this tendency to just lump everybody into, and we're saying, Anytime we say normal in here, if you're just listening to the podcast, we're using air quotes. Like right. you have to know. Like I just realized <laughs> That's that a good point. we are always using air quotes. And so if you just assume that everybody in your class is air quotes normal, you will often be guilty of, you know, judging wrongly or you mm. might be irritated or confused or whatever. So like we have to almost always just be open to the idea that there may be some neurodivergency in the classes that we're teaching, or there may be a variety of abilities in the classes that we're teaching. And I think that will help us to not go wrong. And it will help us to just kind of have a little bit more grace for, you know, some of those differences. So, you know, one of the, one of the, when I teach or when I counsel with or train teachers and leaders, in the church, one of the major things, especially when it comes to youth and when it comes to the children in primary, in if you look in the handbook, and has said this for years, it's basically your job is to help the parents teach the children. Right, that's a great point. Yeah. Right, and and so often we'll get into a class and we'll just start teaching the kids, and right. we don't have a discussion. We don't know. We don't even know who the parents are. Sometimes we just we just go on and do it. And I think we really do a disservice with, quote, again, air quote, normal or anyone who may not be in the spectrum of normal. But again, I think everyone is not in the spectrum of normal. I don't think there is right. a normal, right? Because when we, if we were to go ask parents to say, how do you teach your child? 
what are your child's needs? What can I do to help you with your child? Then we'll realize, oh my goodness, there's a lot more behind that than we think there is. And we need to make that a much bigger part of the way that we approach our teaching, I think. I love that. I would add one question to the list of some of those that you just kind of rattled off. Mm -hmm. And that is, what are your child's strengths? What do they enjoy? What they're, you know, and then you kind of feel like you have a springboard as a teacher to build off of, um, instead of feeling like you're kind of grappling. And so, okay, I just want, I want to wrap us up because I know that we're kind of drawing to the end of our time really quickly. Um, but I, I just want to draw us back to these verses for just a second. And I just, in terms of what we've just been talking about, I just want to read them again and just, you know, see if, see if you hear some different things. I'm going to jump around just a tiny bit. Okay. Okay. So verse 12, starting in verse 12. So first Corinthians 12, for as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ skipping down for the body for verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. And then all of these, you know, come on, if, if you say that, oh, I'm not cool enough, I don't dress as well, I'm not as smart as, I don't read as well as, I don't, those are those verses about the foot and the ear and the eye and the mm-hmm. everything else, right? And so those are comparison verses. And those are also, I mean, they're they're, they're warnings, right? Mm-hmm. About judgments that we also have, comparisons that we're making um, between ourselves and other people, but also comparisons that we're making between maybe typical versus atypical learners. Um, and then jumping down to verse um, verse 19, man, if they were all one member, if they were all the same, where would the body? Like, what would we be? And then on verse 20, or excuse me, um, verse 20, yeah, but now are they many members, yet one body, they belong. They belong, they serve a purpose. And then going down uh, 22, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon those we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts, our less attractive parts, people who might drool, who might have food on their clothes, like Matt, right? They have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member member suffers, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice in it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. I love it. New way of looking at that. Yeah, I just near and dear, near and dear to my heart. So thank you. Oh, so good. I'll I'll just tell you one thing that I picked up even more here. Yeah. Um, verse twenty-five. But there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. That doesn't mean. To me, this is my interpretation of that. That doesn't mean that we give the same level of care to everyone, but we give the same level of love that they need. 
I love that. I love that. It won't look the same with everyone is what you're saying, right? Yeah. 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 Not that it will be. I, I think sometimes we do that. We treat everyone in our class. We treat them the same. We love them all. Great. But maybe there are those who need the extra love, the extra handholding, the extra attention, the extra concern, etc. So instead of love them all, love them each, even though that's terrible grammar. Terrible grammar. But yes, the point is well made. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. What a great discussion. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. I love, okay, we all have our different, and that's as we start bringing uh, more people to interview in, they have all these different perspectives around right. teaching, around just loving and connecting. And I love that because it's going, I mean, each time we talk, I get challenged. In fact, I was earlier today listening to a recent podcast of ours. Re I don't do that often. I mean, we record it, right? Why, why would we listen to our yeah, own podcast? Why would we want to hear ourselves talk? Right. <laughs> but I did. And I started to really receive some more inspiration around some things that I can do with different things in my life. And I thought, wow, that's, wow, I'm listening to Julie. And that's, that's incredible. And it's a different perspective that I, that I don't have, that I need to have. And so thank you for bringing that in. Thank you. That is wonderful. Good. Um, is there any like last, like, can you sum all what we talked up, talked about in one paragraph here specifically? Yes. I would say that each one of us has something to offer. And that means every each, right? Every each one of us has something to offer. And our job is not to do anything but love and connect. And that includes those who are different than we are. And I hope that we can follow the example of our Savior in making that effort. You won't go wrong with effort. If your heart's in the right place, it will be received well. So keep Beautiful. trying, keep reaching out. I love it. Thank you. And if everyone here would, please, please share this. Please share these thoughts with others so that they can learn how to better love and connect as well. Thank you, Julie. Thanks, Kevin. We'll see everyone next time. Bye. Bye.